Hey everybody, it's John with uh, Old Fat Guy's Opinions Podcast. So, I'm doing a podcast on a Friday night just because uh, for some reason my mind won't shut off and let me sleep. Um, so, go ahead and do a, an episode and uh, see if I can bore myself to sleep. Um, but the topic I want to talk about is... Um, Life experiences. Um, I know everyone has different experiences and uh, just how they deal with them and and stuff like that. But um, I'm going to go over um, a few of mine and see if anyone um, can relate. Um, But one of the the life experiences that I can have was um, a lot of people always ask me... uh, John, what was um, one of the um, regretful things that you ever did? And one of the most regretful things that I did is um, years and years ago in high school, I had a a really good friend of mine that was going through um, some tough times. And uh, I took him in. He lived with my me and my family for couple of months and then he went back to his parents and he was in a really bad family dynamic and um he kind of fell to the dark side this is per se and um kind of kept in contact with him for a little bit but you know um as a 18 19 year old you kind of just uh want to move on and do your own thing and um, he wasn't getting any better. If anything, he was getting worse. And, um, at that time in my life, I was, uh, wanted to have a good time and didn't want to be, you know, playing, um, fixer. So, uh, kind of let him go and he was doing his own thing. He was getting into trouble and, um, he actually was living with, um, some other friends of ours and he basically, took advantage of them and stole all their money. Um, but anyway, um, so my biggest regret is, um, I saw him around town every so often and we were, we were cool to each other. We never, we didn't have a bad falling out or anything like that. It's just, we just kind of just went our own separate ways. And I knew he was on drugs. I knew he was, you know, living um that type of life just because he didn't have the parent love that every child needs um he was from a broken home his mom blamed him for everything his mom put him in the juvenile system all the time poor guy was always in and out of juvie and i was always having to uh take him for his drug tests and his uh, parole officer meetings and stuff like that that's just because that's just the type of friend i am but anyway um i had just turned uh, 21, I think, and I was still living at home, and I had had a falling out with the whole group um, that we used to hang out with. Uh, they just didn't want to grow up, and anyway, um, it, it was like on a Wednesday. Um, I was at a friend's house that I didn't hang out with the group that I don't hang I didn't hang out with anymore, and him and I knew the same people, so. I was sitting there and, and I was at, at his house and I was uh, hanging out in the front yard. We were working on my car because at the time, um, this is the, 
when the lowered trucks and car thing was just coming around and was gaining popularity and the big stereos and the cars. And um, I was working on my stereo and just doing some stuff on my car. And my friend was helping me. And, and this guy pulls up and and he was like, hey, what's up, Ross? And I was just like, hey, man, what's not, not much. What's going on? He's all nothing. He's, you know, just living the life. And um, he was driving a brand new Lexus and it was his bosses at his job and um she was like 50 years old and this guy was like 19 and they were sleeping together and um so he basically was playing her or she was playing him however you want to put it but he was talking to me and we were going back and forth like we used to and and he was like hey man you know why don't we why don't we meet for lunch tomorrow and uh, um I said yeah um I can do that. And uh, this is before cell phones, so this was pagers. So um, he gave me his new pager number, and he said, text me when you want to go. And I was like, yeah, sure, you know. And um, I never texted him. I never did. Um, I just got busy. My life had, you know, changed, and I was more focused on um, stuff. I was in school, and I was doing, you know, stuff. And he kind of was just living a living a thug life so anyway um it was friday night of that week and i was home and i was sitting on the couch and uh, one of my old friends came up and um i was like what the fuck's he doing here you know because we we didn't part on amical ways we basically the group of people i hung out with i just did not like and every time i saw them we almost always got into a fight um, and he walks up to my door and I open the door and I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing here? I'm like, get off my fucking porch. And he's like, dude, so-and-so died. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, he died. Um, so I asked him how, and I guess his longtime girlfriend and him were having a fight and he had just shot up, uh, I think it was heroin or meth or something. And... They got into an argument and someone heard it and they called the police and it was they wanted to talk about domestic and he got in his truck and he ran. Well, when he ran, um, he was high on drugs and he went to go try to escape. And there's this part in Scottsdale that um, go by the park. It's a windy road and I don't know if he uh, didn't see it or what, but he went over the curb and there was a um a canal there and um he tried to jump the canal or whatever and he got thrown from his vehicle and when he got thrown from his vehicle um he hit his head and basically his brain dead you know and the thing is is it was really hard for me because i felt like that last time i saw him he was reaching out you know, because him and I always talked and I was always able to um, steer him back in the right direction. And um, I, I don't know, it, it, it's something that has bothered me for years. So, you know, that's one of my biggest regrets was not being able to steer him. But I, I did um, make um, amends on that. I, I did meet a friend of mine that I really don't talk to anymore, but um, he was a uh, 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 cocaine and alcoholic. He was a cocaine addict and a co an alcoholic, and 
um, I was able to um, steer him back to the right path, and he's been sober for uh, 20-something years just uh, because I, I, I felt that I had to do something right um, for that. Uh, and the way I steered him right was one day I had received a knife um, from my minister um, at church. And I know you're thinking, why did, you not, why did your minister give you a knife? My minister was an outdoorsy type, and he liked to give all the men in the church um, gifts like that. So he gave me this knife. And so my friend at the time um, was, I think, 90, 90 days or, or six months sober. I don't know. But he got in my truck, and I was like, hey. I'm all, how are we doing today? And he's like, I'm doing all right. I'm like, oh, I'm all, hey, did I tell you um, that they handed out knives at church on Sunday? And he goes, no. And I go, yeah. I go, too bad you weren't there. And he goes, yeah, I know. I go, but here, do you want to take a look at it? And I handed him the knife and I'm like, why don't you, uh, why don't you look at it and um, open the blade, touch it, look at it really nice, you know, hold it in your hand. And then when he was done with it, I pulled out this Ziploc bag out of my console, and I'm not I'm not lying about this. Um, I p- told him to put it in the bag. All right. So he puts it in the bag, and he goes, "What was that about?" I looked at him. I'm like, "All right, motherfucker." I'm like, "If you ever decide that you want to relapse on anything, I will take this needle out. I, I mean, not this needle, this knife out. Put a pair of gloves on, and I will stab myself um, in a non-fatal area." And tell him that you did it in a fit of drug and alcohol rage. Um, and he looked at me and he goes, you wouldn't. And I go, well, obviously you don't know me very well. He goes, no. And he goes, I, I, I firmly believe that you would do that. Um, so um, that, that's what I was known by. He lived in a, in a recovery house. Um, and whenever I would walk walk in for a meeting or just hang out with him or something like that, just an event. Cause I was really supportive of him. I wanted to make sure he, um, was good because, you know, you've heard the saying a brother from another mother. That's kind of how it was with us. We were just so much alike. It was just, it was sickening. Um, but when I would go into the, the home, um, the main, the main area where they ate, and stuff like that, it was always like, hey, here's the knife guy. You know, I was known as the knife guy. And I had a lot of people come up to me and ask if if I had an extra knife to keep them straight. And I'm like, nope, it's only one person and one person only. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy and I, we did some crazy crap. We worked together in a, in a pediatric office. Um, we hung out. He always came over to my house. He got close with my kids. Um, I could always count on him until he got married to his overbearing Italian wife. And basically she uh, took over my job, which I gave it to her. And we just stopped talking because of that. But one of the craziest things we did is we always went golfing. And golfing was the way for him to escape a lot of his things. And we were able to talk. But the one, (laughs) one time we went. Um, golfing. It had just rained. Ground was soft. We were in a golf cart. And he decided that he wanted to start fucking around. And he started moving the wheel side to side. Well, this man was close to like 380 pounds. He's a big boy. All right. And I'm not a light boy, but I was not as big as I am now. I think at the time, 
I was probably right around like 260, all right? Um, and he was probably close to like 350. So he almost had 100 pounds on me. So as he's whipping this golf cart around, the right rear tire digs into um, a sprinkler area and it flips the golf cart over, all right? It flips it over on my side. So on top of me, um, on top of the golf cart falling over and me pulling my head back just in time before the cover fell on me and crushed my skull, here's this 360-pound man falling on me, all right? So needless to say, we got the golf cart turned back over. We were laughing the whole rest of the time. But the sad thing is, is I don't remember the rest of the day. After I we were laughing and we got done and we left, I don't remember. I don't remember driving home. I don't remember anything. But it's just those were the times with him that were just great. And with my friend that passed away, him and I kind of had the similar type of relationship where we just would just get in the car and go do some stupid shit. Like when I say stupid shit, I mean we would go break into cars, go steal stuff. And I know I'm talking bad, but it's just something that I did when I was a teenager. It's been 30 something years. So I'm sure the statutes of limitations um, have fallen off. And plus, I'm not saying where I did it. But anyway, that's what we would do. We would just go find stuff to fuck up. You know, that was just um, our thing. Um, But anyway, that's I just kind of regret was um, not helping him because he would have been 45 now if he would have lived. Um, but anyway. And then, you know, someone always asked me, you know, John, what's the what's the craziest thing you've ever done? Well, I really can't put my finger on the craziest thing that I've ever done because uh, I did a lot of stupid shit when I was um, younger. Um, like I said, as soon as I got in a sophomore year of high school, something just flipped on me and I just became, um, crazy. But the craziest thing that I can ever say that I did was, um, actually there's two things. Um, the first one is, uh, the same friend that was, um, had passed away he was with me and he could not be out past a certain time he had to be in the house for curfew and we were out and about and there was this new shopping center going up in the area that we always uh, drove around in and stuff like that and um, for some reason we decided that we wanted to go and piss all over the building so we stopped and we're peeing and we got done we're walking back to the car and all of a sudden this cop pulls up behind us and my friend uh, we had we'd already gotten back in the car and everything and I had the car running and stuff like that and he was like he goes and there was someone else with us in the car and and he goes he goes John I I can't this cop cannot run my ID or ask me who I am because if he runs my name, it's going to come back that I'm um, uh, violating my uh, my parole from juvie. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, don't worry about it. He goes, no, John. He goes, I'm serious. I he, I go. He goes, I can't go back. He goes, I can't. And without thinking, 
I saw the cop get out of his car and was walking up. Now, mind you, this was a shopping center that was not complete yet, okay? In this area of town, I've been through it a lot with when I was delivering, but I've never really driven through it. So this was a new area for me. So I had my headlights on and I'm looking ahead just to make sure that there was nothing in my way that I am going to uh, run and hit my car on or anything like that. And I hadn't had my headlights on yet, so he really couldn't see my license plate because the way he pulled and the way I was parked, he couldn't see the license plate. So I put the car in drive as he's walking up to the window, and I just floored it, all right? And as I'm flooring it, I don't have my headlights on. I'm going by just shadows and stuff like that. Luckily, um, the shopping center they were building, it had some lights, and there was some street lights. Well... I got out of the shopping center, jumped the curb. The cop is coming. Okay, I see him run back to his car. He turns it on and he's got his lights on and he's coming. But he um, wasn't going as fast as I was just because I didn't, I wanted to get away. So we come out of this um, shopping center um, on this road and there is an apartment complex there. And I thought the apartment complex went all the way around. So um, I pull into this apartment complex and it's a dead end. And this cop, I can hear his siren and I can see his lights coming down the pathway. So I literally hurried, pulled into a spot, turned all the lights off, um, and then uh, turned the car off. And then he comes around the corner and it was a dead end. Okay, so I had taken the only spot that was open because all the other ones were full. So he passes us. I put the car in. um, I turn the car back on, put it in reverse, back the hell out of there and take off. All right. And we got away. So I ran. I ran from a cop. I got away. Okay. Only time I've ever done that. Oh, only time. But that was one of the craziest things I've ever done. The other crazy thing that I did, and I know a lot of you are going to probably call me a bullshitter, but I've talked about this in previous podcasts, is the other crazy thing is, is um, when my youngest daughter was alive, um, she had to be transported by um, air ambulance um, from Thunderbird Hospital to Cardin's over in Mesa, which for those of you that aren't in Arizona or don't know Arizona, um, that is about a 45 minute to an hour drive all right but she had been transported before this way and my wife had always gone but this time she wasn't able to and my wife always complained about my driving all right always she's always like you go you know don't go too fast you're gonna get a ticket so when they said that she couldn't fly on the helicopter with her um, we walked down to the car and we're getting in and I kid you not she looks at me and she goes I don't care and I beat the freaking helicopter. We literally were in the ICU at Cardin's standing outside of her room when they rolled up um, with her in the gurney. And the pilot was like, I don't want to know. And I'm like, I don't even know. All right. So that's one of the craziest things. Okay. Some of the other things that I've done, you know, um, One of the things that I I did that you can kind of, 
consider crazy or or stupid or um morally wrong um but it was really exciting <laughs> i can't believe i'm going to say this but um anyway when i was uh when i was 19 uh, 19 or 20 probably around that around that age um i was working two jobs for some reason i don't know why um but i wanted to and then i decided to go to school as well so i was working two jobs and going to school in the morning well one of my jobs was working the graveyard shift at a gas station in tempe well this gas station was owned um by a family and the dad owned it the dan the dad ran the day-to-day operations his daughter was like the manager of this gas station um her mom was there too um and her husband was there working too he was a technician for just like little odd jobs you know like tires and belts and stuff like that and make normal maintenance and stuff like that well i'd probably work there like three three months i think and you know i was young 19 like i said 1920 i really didn't I don't know. I just really didn't date much in high school. I just wanted to hang out with friends and just go cause freaking havoc and just do all sorts of stupid shit. So I really didn't pick up when someone was coming on to me and stuff like that. So there was one night, uh, I think it was Thanksgiving, maybe Thanksgiving that year, something. But um, when the manager called me, the owner's daughter called me at the gas station. She goes, did you get a chance to eat? And I'm like, no. Um, and I was getting off, I think I was working early that night. So I think I was getting off like 10 or 10.30 or 11. Because um, there was one night a week that I didn't work, but graveyard, I came in and worked a regular um, uh, 3 to 11 or something like that. But... um. She goes, okay, well, I'm going to bring you something to eat. And I was like, really? And they live like 45 minutes away. Um, I can't believe I'm going to talk about this. But um, she brought me a plate of food. And I said, thank you. And she sat there with whom I was eating it. And she was just talking. We were just talking about random stuff. And... Mind you, she was 27, so I was, yeah, I was 20. So, yeah, she was seven years older than me. So I was 20, and she was 27. And we were sitting there, and we were talking. And at the time, you know, I mean, I was 20. I really don't think highly of myself that I'm good enough to, uh, good-looking enough um, to really attract anyone. I mean, I'm married and stuff like that, yeah, but I think my wife is blind sometimes. Um, or she just settled. But anyway... Um, so I'm sitting there and we're talking and all of a sudden she just is like standing next to me and she goes, so John, what do you do when you're not at work? I'm like, well, I always work. And she goes, well, what do you do when you have a day off? And I'm like, 
I really don't do anything. I said, I really don't have any friends. I got rid of them. I'm just kind of like hanging out, just finding myself. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, her tongue's down my throat. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? I mean, I didn't fight it. I mean, you know, absolutely not. This lady was gorgeous. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the hell? So (laughs) she's got a jacket on, uh, like a long coat down to her ankles. And I'm like, aren't you hot in that? And she's like, well, I kind of am, but I don't want to take, I don't want to take my coat off out here. And I'm like, why? And then she opens the bathroom door, walks in the bathroom door and takes it off. And she's got lingerie on. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck is going on here? You know? (sighs) So needless to say, I nailed her in the bathroom. I know. I'm a bad boy. Um, and then after that, it was, I was over at her house almost every day. Her husband, uh, she went into work at seven in the morning, got off at, uh, three. Um, he didn't leave work until five or five thirty, And she had always arranged for, um, she told him, Hey, call me when you're on your way so I can have dinner going. That was her little way of saying, call me so I can get John out of the house. Um, and the fucked up part is, is I mean, I was raised, adultery is horrible, all right? I was raised that way. But man, when you got a 27-year-old hottie wanting you, all the um, Ten Commandments go out the fucking window, all right? All of them. I mean, man, it was, it was great. But here's the fucked up part. All right, she had a five year old son from her previous marriage, and he was always home with us. She would put him in his bedroom with a video. His big thing was Power Rangers, and she'd put him in there with Power Rangers, and she would tell him not to come out. And this went on for, I don't know, probably six nine months. Um, and then she just dropped me like a hot potato, which I mean, it, it kind of broke me, but, um, yeah, it's just something that I just, I, 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 I live at. I'm just like, what the hell, you know? And then another crazy thing that I did is, um, back in the day when I was 13, um, my sister had a friend and she was a little bit, how do I put it? easy. Um, she was 16. I was 13. Um, yeah, we were like bunnies. It was crazy. You know, I mean, um, (laughs) craziest part is, is we did it on a church outing. We went somewhere. Yeah. We disappeared for a little bit, but yeah, I mean, there is no shame in my game. All right. (laughs) I just, now that I'm older, I look back and I'm like, damn, what's happened to me? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, just like life experiences, you know, you, you go off of these life experiences and it's something that uh, you can either use to shape you in the person you're going to be 
or you use these life experiences as examples of what not to do. All right. <laughs> it's crazy. It really is. And, and you know, bad thing is, is I'm saying all this stuff and my daughter's boyfriend listens to my podcast. So I'm sure he's going to be probably spitting out a drink tomorrow when he's at work or, um, and then he's going to tell my daughter. So there's going to be a lot of splaining to do because I don't even think my wife knows about this, but Oh, well, this was years before we met, so I can't be held accountable. Um, but one of the other, um, one of the things that I, I did that, you know, it, it just, uh, it was just something that I did. It's, it's, it's a regretful thing that I did. I'm not proud of it. I mean, I could have really um, hurt a lot of people. I could have uh, ended my own life. Um, but when I was dating this um, hot uh, boss of mine, um, the crazy fucking thing is, is I would go over to their house on Friday nights um, for dinner. They would always invite me over because I never worked on Friday nights. So I'd go over there on Friday nights for dinner. Uh, and what was weird is when we were there, it was always like nothing happened. It was like, we were just like, she was a married woman and I was just an employee over for dinner. Um, her friend was over. So it was always that ruse that, um, she was trying to fix me up with her friend, but, but it always seemed something always seemed to happen where her and I had to go somewhere by ourselves always. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how this motherfucker was so stupid that he didn't realize what was going on. I mean, I just, I really don't know. But anyway, um, we drank like fish when we were all together. All right. And I think what she wanted to do is I think she wanted to get me drunk so I would stay there so she could do something while I was in the house. But <laughs> new no. <laughs> I already did enough in that house I didn't need to do anything with her husband there but anyway um yeah so I left I left and I was uh, two sheets to the, there were three sheets to the wind I should not have been driving should not have been driving and I worked or they lived way out there I mean I'm talking like Gilbert, way out there. Farthest you could go at the time back in the mid-90s, or early 90s. Okay, let's just put it that way. Um, and I lived about 30, 45 minutes away from them. And it was all um, highway, per se. So once I got on the highway, you know, I was fine. I just focused on the lane and just, you know, didn't do anything. I didn't change lanes. I just got in one lane and stayed and just set the cruise control on my car. But there was one time that I was driving and it was colder than shit outside. All right. And I was tired. All right. Um, and my windows kept fogging up. So I had to I had to have the defroster on, but unfortunately, the heat from the defroster 
and me being drunk, I was getting tired, all right? And I couldn't roll the window down because it was so cold um, because that's how I kept myself um, awake was the cold air, but I was like, I'll be fine. I kid you fucking not. I literally fell asleep at the steering wheel. Okay. I was on US 60 and I was probably, uh, they lived off Mesa Drive. So it was literally, I think I was probably up to country club, um, or maybe almost school. I don't know, but I literally dozed off. All right. And when I woke up, I looked over, I mean, I probably fell asleep for maybe 15, 20 seconds. And at that rate of speed that I'm going, I probably already traveled probably a mile to a mile and a half. And as I wake up and I look to my left, um, there's a DPS officer, not right next to me, but two lanes over. All right. And I woke up and I freaking almost shit myself. All right. So I gathered myself, (laughs) I rolled the windows down, not enough where to look a little weird because it was probably like 30 something degrees, but I rolled it down enough where cold air was coming in to keep me up and I literally made it home and I never did that again. (laughs) Well, for a while, let's just put it that way. I was stupid. Okay. I will tell you right now, I was a stupid young adult. All right. Um, a lot of people talk to me about, um, what is something that truly, you know, something in your life that, um, that almost destroyed you or affected you in a way that, um, you never thought you would experience. And I have to say there were a lot of things Um, as I was growing up, um, I just really don't want to talk about those, but, um, hold on one second. The one thing that I can definitely say out of everything that I've ever lived through in my life, um, and I've, and I've had a lot of, uh, a lot of things happen to me in my life. Um, the one thing that I can say, uh, was when you have to lay on a bed or sit in a chair next to your daughter, um, and watch her take her last breath. That is something that can either destroy you or it can define you. And, um... I know a lot of people that have lost kids and it has absolutely destroyed them and uh, destroyed their families. But I didn't let it, all right? I fought through it. And, you know, I, I, I talk about the way I was raised and, you know, raised in the church and stuff like that. And at this time in my life, I really... I don't know, I don't go to church anymore. I don't really, I don't know. I, I just, 
I don't know. I, 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 I've just gotten different over the years. I, I've, I've noticed things I've, I've observed and I've kind of seen, I mean, I'm not lying to you. I have seen some crazy ass stuff growing up in the church. I've seen things that you cannot explain. I've seen things that, um, I still try to figure out, but I'm not saying that there isn't anything there, but right now in my life, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not there anymore. Um, I mean, I'm still a good person. Um, I still follow um, what I was taught. Um, well, mine is screwing my boss, but other than that, um, and taking stuff, but I've, I've since um, turned, turned that part around, but the one thing that I have going for me with my youngest daughter passing away and just my beliefs um, is I know that I'm going to see her again. You know, I know a lot of you people are probably like, oh, yeah, John, whatever. But, you know, in all honesty and something like that, that is that is so traumatic and it can tear you down and it can break you. All right. Uh, it's just good to have something to think about like that because believe it or not, it has helped me quite a bit. It really has. Now, I'm not going to say that I am not the same person. I'm not going to say that I'm the same person as when she passed away because I have changed since she's passed away. Um, the parts of me that I enjoyed with her, meaning just certain activities and certain things that her and I did together, I don't do them anymore. I really don't. Um, I avoid them as much as possible. And I know you're saying, well, you said you're going to see her again. Yeah, I am going to see her again. But the thing is, is I've dealt with her death. I've dealt with a lot of stuff, but it's just that activity that you did with her that, um, stays with you it doesn't it doesn't go away and you know unfortunately the one thing that I enjoyed the most even before she was born um, when I was younger it was Christmas I enjoyed the whole Christmas holiday Um, after Thanksgiving when Thanksgiving was over I automatically went into Christmas mode decorating the house decorating the tree decorating everything and now she's going to be gone 10 years um in june of this year um i can probably say that i've decorated my house once in 10 years and when it comes to decorating the inside of the house i just don't care i don't it's it's just that part of me is gone it, it, I don't know necessarily if I can ever get it back, but it's gone. And unfortunately for any of you that have ever lost anyone, lost a child, or even lost a family member, you know, there's still um, things that are hard for me to do since my both my parents passed. But it's different, you know, and I know you're probably thinking, how's it different, John? Because the thing is, is you expect your parents to die, okay? Your parents are going to die, okay? You never expect your youngest child or any of your children to die. 
you should not outlive your kids, all right? And that's kind of been, you know, the thing um, with me that uh, has kind of been my my constant go is not to let her down. And sometimes I feel like I do. I mean, I'm not lying that I, I don't have days or nights where I just don't want to do anything. I mean, right now, life is just punching me in the gut every single damn step that I take. Um, and it's really hard. Um, and I see my daughter every day because um, we didn't bury her and I know it sounds weird, but we made the decision that we didn't want to be away from her. So we had her cremated and, and she sits in our bedroom um, uh, in a in a stand and, and um, I see her every day, you know. I mean, I talk to her? No. I just turn the light on and I look at the urn and um, yeah. So, like I said, that is something that could have destroyed me. It could have. It. it I. I want to say it didn't destroy me a hundred percent, but I will say it probably destroyed me probably at least ten to twenty percent. All right, because I am ten to twenty percent less of a person than I was when she, um, when she passed, and and there's been other issues as well. Um, uh. But yeah, I mean, just the life, the life experiences in your life is what is going to shape you. And, and you just have to allow um, yourself time to think about it and, and understand, you know, what it's about and why is it happening and how can I learn from this so I don't fall into the same habits. Um, but yeah, I mean... Um, Life comes at you fast. You just have to um, have a good filter on how to filter the shit out that you need to see and the stuff that you that you don't need to see. You know, right now I'm kind of stuck in um, kind of stuck in neutral uh, right now. Um, in my life, I really didn't think I would be where I'm at now. I thought I would be a lot better off. Um, but I haven't dodged those curveballs as much as I thought I could. I was doing it many, many years ago. I, I was actually doing it 11 years ago. 11 years ago, I was able to adapt. Um, actually, actually, I, I, I'm not, that's not true. Uh, six years ago, I actually was able to adapt and, uh, make the changes that I needed to for us to be successful and take risks. But I just had something happen six years ago that I, I, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not going to talk about. I'm, I'm not. Um, but something six years ago really fucked me. It fucked me up bad um, on top of, you know... Um, my daughter being gone and stuff like that. I mean, uh, yeah, it's life's just hard. It really is. You know, you always see those things like, I wish I was a kid again. Yeah, at some point, I do wish I was a kid again. But 
my childhood wasn't the greatest. All right. Um, did I have a roof over my head? Yes. I had multiple roofs over my head because we moved out almost every fucking year. Um, did I have food on the table? Yes. Did I have what I needed to be happy? I had a family and that's about it. All right. But it it's just following in the same path that your parents went down and you promised yourself you wouldn't do it and you did really well but some for some way your path had a detour and you had to get off the highway that you were on you had to get off because construction or something and you haven't found that way to get back on and that's where i'm at trying to find it um but yeah i hope all of you by listening to this can um relate to some of the things that i've talked about um and i hope some of you don't think i'm a bad person i'm not i'm really a good person um, I just experienced life um, a little bit more um, than I should. And there's a lot more that um, I've done that um, I don't want to go into too much. Um, but, you know, the, the one... The one thing that I will tell you in my life that... I wish I could go back and change is being more, I don't know how to say this, more understanding. Let's just put it that way. Um, I make rash decisions on emotion, um, but that's just who I am. And I don't know if I can necessarily, I've tried to fix it. I can't. Um, this is because people piss me off, all right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I like stuff to go my way and my way only. I want people to understand what I'm saying and hear what I'm saying instead of jumping to conclusions. All right? Um, one of the biggest thing, one of the one of the things in my life that was probably one of the most scariest things that I had ever experienced, and I know... I've done a lot of stupid shit, okay? But believe me, um, this has nothing to compare um, to what I went through. And you're going to think I'm crazy, but this really affected me. It did. It really affected me. And, and it came back up and it reared its ugly head probably like 16 years later. Maybe, maybe a little bit more, but... I think I was like six or seven. And you got to remember, I I was born in the 70s. So I grew up in the 80s, you know, the 80s where you have the Gen, uh, the Gen X where we basically were just kind of left on our own and we did our own thing. Um, but we went to this huge shopping center, okay, and my oldest sister and I, we have never gotten along, all right? She's 52 years old. Um, I'm going on 47. No, I'm going on 48 this year. Damn, I'm getting old. Uh, actually, no, 49. Holy motherfucker. 
50 years old next year. But anyway, we've never gotten along. I mean, we've tolerated each other. But we were at this store. My parents, we were going to school shopping or something. And my mom and dad um, were doing something and in the store. And my sister wanted to go look um, at stuff. And I... And I, um, (laughs) I always rode on the bottom of the cart. Okay. So here I am on the bottom of the cart and my sister is like, oh, I'll take John with me. Well, here's, here's the thing that scared the living shit out of me. All right. And it still affects me. Not really. Not anymore. It doesn't. I'm 50, almost 50 years old. So this should not affect me, but I'll circle back around and tell you why it affected me when I was a little bit older. So. She left me at the bottom of the cart, all right? She pushed me to the darkest part of this shopping mall, all right, of this store, and left me. She left me in the returns area with all the other carts filled with stuff um, in the darkest area, and she walked away, walked away. At this time, here I am, and she said she had to go to the bathroom, so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting. So... I don't know how long I sat there, but she never came back. Never. So I freaked out. I thought, because at this time, you had just had all these, all these kids had just been kidnapped and all these kids had disappeared. And that's what I was worried about is I'm going to be kidnapped or I'm going to disappear. So I freaked out and ran up to the front. And at the time, I had a speech problem. I couldn't say ours. Okay. So as I'm standing up at the front desk and they're calling for the mother of John Wass, not Ross, Wass. My mom and dad and them were like, I wish that mother would go and find that kid. And they came around the corner. It was me. Okay. My sister, I don't haven't talked to my sister in probably like seven years. All right. Um, to this day, if you ask her about it, she will deny it. Okay. So fast forward, uh, maybe 17, 18 years. That's 23, 24. All right. We had flown back, my my mom and me had flown back because a good friend of ours had passed away. And my dad and other sister, they flew back the next day, all right? So my other sister, the one that left me, she stayed at home because my parents were moving. She was packing up the house and stuff like that. Well, the plan was when we got back to Phoenix, they were supposed to come pick me up. at the. I flew in a different terminal than my mom and my dad and my other sister. Well, I got in like an hour earlier and I told them exactly where I would be sitting. Exactly. I sat there with a book in my hand, reading this book. And the hour passed. So I'm like, okay, I'll give them another hour. So it was like two hours, you know? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, literally like, where are they at? It was almost three hours, three, three and a half hours. I'm like, where the fuck are they? So I called my wife and I'm like, hey, did you hear from my parents? And she's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, yeah, I don't know where they're at. I don't know if the flight got delayed or whatever. So then I called their house. Okay, mine, it's been like two hours since they landed, you know. I called my parents. My dad answers the phone. I'm like, what are you doing at home? He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, did you forget me at the airport? And they're like, no. 
Your sister said that she went in there to look for you. And I'm like, she didn't fucking look for me. So needless to say, I got abandoned at the airport. Okay, so that brought back that fucking experience. All right, I was so freaking mad. I freaking chewed my dad out. And his thing was, well, how are you going to get home? I'm like, I'll take care of it. So I got, I called a, a super shuttle. All right. And I had paid cash for the rental car. And I had like, I don't know, like $150 left of my dad's money. So we're sitting there. And I'm freaking pissed. I mean, I am so pissed on the way home in this super shuttle. People are talking to me and I'm just ignoring them. I was fucking livid just because I had gone through this before. All right. So I get home. My wife and mother-in-law and my brother-in-law, they're all standing out there when I get home. And they're like, what happened? I'm like, they fucking forgot me. I know they didn't forget me. I know it's that freaking sister of mine didn't want to waddle her fucking ass into the freaking airport to look for me. So she probably walked in, turned around, walked out. So the guy at the super shuttle, he's like, okay, um, your, your total is, you know, $40 or $50 or something like that. And my brother-in-law was going to pay him. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is on my dad. And I whipped out that $150. I'm like, you have yourself a good day. You have yourself a good day. So I went home, got in the house, unpacked, was relaxing, and the phone rings. And it's my parents. And my wife's like, it's your dad. Do you want to talk to him? It's your mom. I'm like, no, I really don't want to talk to them. And I kid you not, I love my dad to death. But the words out of his mouth next really fucking set me off. He was like, Jamie, my wife was like, he wants to know if you have his change. I picked up the phone and I'm like, I don't have your fucking change. I gave it to the freaking super shuttle driver. I hope he enjoys his $150 dip. And I hung up. I had to talk to them for a month. Literally. I was so mad. I literally was so mad at them. And to this day, my mom... And dad are, have both passed, unfortunately. But my other sister is here with me. And every once in a while, I'm like, yeah, well, you didn't get left at an airport. And she still defends my sister to this day. I'm like, bullshit. Bullshit. All right. Well, anyway, guys, um, I know you're... I hope you enjoyed this episode. I got a little bit more deeper than I wanted to. But um, it is um, 1130. Um, and um, this... Uh, podcast app that I use is telling me that I only have five minutes left in my recording. So I'm going to say goodbye. Have a good um, weekend um, and stay safe. I hope um, that some of my craziness on my stories um, can help some of you out um, and you can relate to them. All right. You all have a great night.